Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. (laughs) I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use code etm for 20% off. Really, my mission was just to eradicate fear and to say to women, you can be in relationships with people. You can have an amazing husband. You can have an amazing partner. You need to talk about money. You need not to be afraid of it. You need to take control of it because this is the linchpin of being in control of your life. Welcome to Everyone's Talking Money podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Game. There's no judgment, no dumb questions, just smart conversations about you and your money. So come on in and grab a seat. Everyone is welcome here. Hi, this is Elton John here. Together with the Alliance for Lifetime Income, I'm spreading the word about the importance of protected income, which is money you're guaranteed to get. Protected income from an annuity helps ensure you have all your bases covered so you can have the financial freedom to tick off your bucket list. Meet with your financial advisor to ask if you have protected income and get their help making a plan that fits your unique financial goals. 
Go to protectedincome.org today. Welcome back to the show, ETMers. It is so good to have you here. I got to tell you, this is an episode that is personal for me and hopefully for any woman listening. And honestly, I think for the men in your life too. So, okay, this episode is actually for everyone. Women have been largely overlooked in money conversations. And you know the stats, right? We earn less, we live longer, so much more. We definitely get the short end of the equality stick a whole lot. So it's even more important. No, no, no. I think the word is it's it's critical. It is absolutely critical that we as women learn how to have fiscal freedom. As our guest Kimberly Davis says, a lot of women don't know what the heck is going on with their finances and don't like to talk about it. In Kimberly's new book, The Fiscal Feminist, she shares must-know money lessons that every woman needs to know and really holds your hand through some serious topics like divorce and prenups, postnups, you know, all those money topics that you just rather hide from. Her message is that you need to become the CEO of your life. So join us for this inspiring episode that feels like a fun information overload, but in the best way possible, and just a wild ride with Kimberly. Let's get talking. Kim, I am so thrilled to have you join us on the podcast today. I know we're going to have a great conversation, so thanks so much for being here. Well, thank you for having me. I'm super excited uh, to be with you today, Shauna. I've been listening to some of your podcasts I love your message. I love how you break it down, make it manageable for people. So I am honored and privileged to be part of your podcast family. Nice. Thank you. Yes. Well, I know we've got some important stuff to talk about today. I wanted to start here. You know, women have been largely uh, overlooked in many money conversations. And on top of that, we know the stats. We earn less. We live longer. That's just to name a few challenges. But your new book, The Fiscal Feminist, it just came out in May. And as we're recording this conversation right now, the Supreme Court just overturned Roe v. Wade, which is going to have a huge financial impact on, on women. I, I love the timing of your book. I've always been an advocate that we as women, we really need to take charge in all areas of our lives. And because money impacts everything, we we need to start there. And as you say, ignorance, ignorance is not bliss. So Kim, what are some of the unique money issues and concerns that you think women we must confront that really inspired your book? Well, you know, it's a very holistic um, situation, right? There is not one element here or there, which is why this book is kind of, you know, addresses a panoply of topics. It's a very holistic approach to being financially organized, but mostly being kind of CEO of your own life, right? Being in control of your own destiny. And money, whether we like it or not, um, and careers and the way in which we, you know, get money is very much an integral part of our lives. Um, and so I think the problem has been for women, you know, there's not been the same conversations that, uh, you know, we have with our sons or over the years, I think women have not had the same narrative and the same conversations. And, you know, there's a lot of things and I mean, we could go on forever, but, you know, there's inequities in gender parity pay, uh, in gender segregation in careers. There's, you know, been a long road for women to even get to have some kind of equal rights. I mean, in 1976, women couldn't even get a credit card without the signatory of um, a husband or a brother. And in my particular situation, what really inspired me to write the book was partially my own journey. Um, you know, I graduated from law school in 1983. I was a corporate securities lawyer. Then I became uh, on Wall Street. And then I became an investment banker. And then I eventually got married and I had my three daughters who um, are all in their late 20s and early 30s now. And um, I made some decisions along the way that I wouldn't have made if I knew what I know now that were very detrimental to my long-term financial health. I didn't really have a strategy or plan for a lot of things. And, um, you know, in the end, I, I wrote this book because I found myself in a very dangerous situation uh, when I was going through a gray divorce. And what happened to me was that in my early 50s, I ended up being in a situation where 
you know, I could have had a very, very bad retirement and I had to mm -hmm. kind of get all of my act together because based on all of the things that I had done previously by not paying attention to certain things during my marriage, um, I ended up really be being behind the eight ball and I was living in financial fear for my entire life. Can mm -hmm. you excuse me? For sure. Um, I'm, I'm, you can edit this, right? Yes. Okay. Totally. Thank you. So in any event, those were the things that were motivating me. You know, I was going through this divorce and it was happening in London. I was in, I had moved back to the United States because I did not want to retire and live my life in London. And the original deal had been that we would only be there two years because we were moving for my husband's career way back when. And, and we ended up, I ended up being there 14 years. So first mistake I made was making that decision um, and not thinking about the long-term consequences of what that meant to my career. Um, so in the end, I really was in a turmoil because the divorce took years and it was a litigated divorce and it cost a lot of money. Um, when we finally did resolve it, uh, you know, he abdicated on the divorce decree after six months of paying alimony. And I had a daughter at Georgetown and a couple of children in high school. Um, this then caused another court case. And during this point, you know, I was still trying to get acclimated and find a job. And thank God I eventually did get a job at J, uh, at Morgan Stanley. And then we eventually became a, a registered independent advisor uh, at the Bonson Group, which I am now managing director and partner in. But it, at that moment, I needed to make finding a job be my job because I was literally having to sell jewelry. I mean, I was living paycheck to paycheck or, you know, depleting what little funds I had left because there was no money coming in from the alimony and I was trying not to disrupt the children so much. So it was a just complete, complete mess. And I lived in fear for four or five years of my life. I was paralyzed with fear. Money controlled everything. I didn't control money. And so when I became a wealth manager and things became a little bit, you know, better for me and I, I was very, very fortunate. It was a combination of, I believe, you know, the universe and my applying for millions of jobs, because obviously there weren't a lot of people clamoring to hire a 53 <laughs> year old woman, um, even with my pedigree and my resume. Um, but so I kind of got my act together. My book of business has been very robust and I've been very fortunate to be in the Bonson group. And, um, I continue to be a wealth manager, but along the way, I started to think about women of all economic strata and ages, and I thought, I never want one woman to ever go through what I went through. I don't want them to live in fear. I don't want them to wake up every night at three o'clock in the morning with the pit in their stomach and not be able to go back to sleep, and in my case, probably have a Jameson just to try to get back to sleep. Um which is a whiskey. Uh, I was just, I was completely worried about money all the time. And I thought, you know, I want to start a platform, not necessarily for my wealth management clients, but for all women so that they could have a roadmap and I can share whatever pointers that I've garnered along the way with them to be in charge of their lives. And to your point about Roe versus Wade, you know, I'm a feminist, I guess, of the second wave of feminists if you want to call it that. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I thought we we have made so much progress, but yet I think there are topics that we no longer really talk about. And I think a lot of issues pertaining to women are no longer being addressed. I don't know. They're kind of getting overtaken by a lot of other pressing issues in the world today. But I, I really wish that women, both on a micro level within their own lives and on a macro level with their vote and their intention really become more engaged because this is dangerous territory for women. You know, one's reproductive rights is so important to their longevity, um, their financial longevity and how their financial life is really going to evolve. And it especially will affect them in retirement in their old age. Um, and I think probably in a negative way, if they end up having children they don't want and having that additional financial responsibility that they're not capable of really, you know, handling. So really my mission was just to eradicate fear and to say to women, you can be in relationships with people. You can have an amazing husband. You can have an amazing partner. You need to talk about money. You need not to be afraid of it. You need to take control of it because this is the linchpin of being in control of your life 
being healthier mentally and you know physically and it's uh, to me it's equivalent to self-care if you go get a mammogram if you go get a checkup you should also be doing this yeah I agree wholeheartedly thank you for sharing so much of your story i went through a divorce in my early 30s and I knew I had to walk away from that relationship for quite some time, but I also knew that that person was going to make it very financially difficult for me and that that was um, the mechanism that that person was going to use to, I guess we should say, for lack of better words, get under my skin. Right. And right. I had to make some really tough choices and just, you know, we looked at the math on paper and my attorney said, well, you got a couple of really bad choices. Which of the bad choices do you want? And that was really what, for me, changed how I think about money and my relationship with money because I was in the same place that you were in. There's this fear around money and, and fear that somebody else controlled things and and you know, I didn't know what to do. I mean, it just it's a swirling experience if anybody listening has been through anything like this, you know that this just, it's really hard to kind of find your way through this. Uh, and and you talked about that you wanted to share some of these topics that you feel like women need to know about but aren't talked about. Tell me a little bit more about some of these subjects that you really want to bring to light. Right. So the thing, what I try to accomplish in this book is, you know, just to attack certain issues that I think are really kind of the cornerstone issues that we should be thinking about. So, you know, if you put them into buckets, right, you can think, okay, personal finance, right? Um, that's just the most basic thing. A lot of women don't know what the heck's going on with their finances, right? Um, right. They don't like to talk about it. You know, there's a large percentage of women that just would rather literally do anything than plan or budget or even think about their money. Um, and, and so on a micro level, we can split it up into micro macro. On a micro level, we need to be aware of what is going on in our financial lives. I know it's not fun. It's not as fun as, you know, thinking about like what you're going to buy and all that stuff, but it will, it, it will actually, you know, kind of control so many aspects of your life. So the first thing I want women to do is like to realize this is pretty easy. And a lot of this is about mindset. So if you change your mindset and say, you know, actually, um, maybe understanding my finances and, and learning how to save could be fun. And then I could, you know, start getting a high from seeing my savings account. Um, that's the first thing is changing your mindset, but really just on a understanding your own infrastructure, right? Knowledge is power. Ignorance is not bliss. Those are kind of my, my mantras. So understand. And I think one of the things I listened to that you did that was very uh, well done is, you know, understand your cash flow, right? How much money do you have coming in? That's not that hard to right. figure out. You know what you make. If you're an entrepreneur, you can kind of do a little projection along the way, but you can be in the ballpark and know how much money is going out. If you have those two bits of information, then you're ahead of the game. I think, you know, there's a lot of apps that make it easy now to use a budget or to help you automate things or to give you notifications when you're overspending, so on and so forth. So the first thing I would say to people is you need to get your financial house in order and you cannot rely on your partner or your friend or your dad or your brother or your sister to be your financial plan. You have to be in charge of it. That is just accepting responsibility for yourself. And it's very simple and it can be made into bite-sized pieces and you can set goals that are achievable in short time periods so you don't overwhelm yourself. And as you get, you know, one success, you go on to the next. So obviously understanding the incoming and the outgoings, understanding, are you using your credit cards to bridge a gap because you're living beyond your means? If that's the case, then you need to look at your credit card debt and you need to eradicate it, i.e. pay it down. You can use the debt avalanche method. You could use the debt snowball method. Debt avalanche means you pay the highest interest rates off first. Um, and then the other snowballs, the smaller balances, whichever way you, you get motivated by. But there are all these things that you can look at. Uh, and then, you know, you, you have to have an emergency savings fund. And if you have four to six in liquid cash at that point, you can then worry about maxing out on your retirement in investments. And then at that point, if you want to buy a house or you want to invest in the stock market, that's the time that you do it. So just having 
a feel for where you are in that mix is the first thing. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. In those moments when money is just not moving as fast as your dreams, Earnit provides the financial momentum you need to keep moving forward. Earnit is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. You just download the Earnit app and verify your paycheck. Then you access up to $100 a day as you work and you can leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. I honestly would use Earnin in lots of different ways, but what's on my mind recently is I need a night out. I need some good tacos to sip on a few virgin margaritas and celebrate you all helping this podcast earn 26 million downloads. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security. Gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in Talkin' Money under podcast when you sign up. It will really help the show. Talkin' Money under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank, subject to your available earnings daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. <laughs> I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. The second thing is you need to have intentional career choices. You need to really think about what you're going to do in your career. Um, if you are in a career that you don't like, if you do have an emergency savings fund, you might be able to pivot and do a side hustle or, you know, give yourself a little a breathing room there. That's another reason why I think an emergency savings fund is important, not only for emergencies, but for pivots in life. But I think being intentional in your career choices, you know, are the, are you, um, are you going to do something that is, you know, more bulletproof? Like during COVID, a lot of careers got, you know, eliminated uh, yes. in the service business, in education, um, in certain things that were really the hospitality business. So I'd like to see more women, you know, try to overcome that confidence versus competence, you know, kind of gulf that they have. I think a lot of women won't apply things for things unless they think they're 100% 
you know, qualified to do it. Whereas men will apply for things when they're only 60% qualified. (laughs) And, you know, that eliminates a whole lot of jobs that they may be qualified for. So, you know, HP did this study a few years ago and they literally went to people who are women at HP and said, you are qualified for these jobs. We'd like for you to apply for them. And, you know, a lot of the women didn't do it because they did not feel they were hundred percent qualified. And that Mm. is a disservice to ourselves, right? We've been kind of taught through our lives that we've got to be good little girls, do everything right, do everything perfectly. No, that's, you know, that's incorrect for lack of a more, you know, (laughs) vernacular word. Profound word. (laughs) That's not right. Good is good enough. I tell my three daughters all the time, you know, if you strive for perfection, it will be your undoing. Put yourself out there. So I love to see more women, you know, looking into the, you know, STEM type professions uh, or just really evaluating companies that they're going to join. Do these companies have policies that are friendly toward women? Are they actually walking the walk and talking the talk? You know, make sure that, you know, you ask questions about, at you know, their HR uh, programs and, you know, are there women managers that can work remotely? Are all of their metrics not just FaceTime in the office, but actual results? Will they accommodate, you know, women who might want to have babies or partners that want to have babies, you know? I think you need to actually take responsibility to look at that because we can't really rely on the government to legislate all of that stuff. We can't even keep Roe v. Wade in place. So, um, you know, we have to make sure that we do our do our own due diligence. So there is the career choices. And then within that, advocating for ourselves. Women don't like to advocate or negotiate. And, you know, I think we're getting better at it, but it is essential. You know, I've had so many situations yes. in my life where, I get paid less than my male counterparts and I'm always beating that drum. I'm always complaining about it until I get, you know, what I think is my due. But I think, you know, women need to advocate. There are tips in my book about how to do that, but that's another component to this. And then I think in relationships, women need to be a lot more forthright than they have been over the years. Um, I don't think certainly people of my generation, women of my generation probably haven't really experienced seeing their mothers having these kind of conversations with their fathers because it was, you know, I, I'm, I'm a product of, I'm a baby boomer, right? So women were still kind of staying at home and completely and not all having careers, but really, you know, now I mean, I say to my children, you know, you need to have very open and transparent conversations with your partners about money, even when you're just dating. Um, If you're going to live with somebody, I really suggest people get a cohabitation agreement that can ultimately morph into a prenup. I do not believe that people need to be rich to have a prenup, especially millennials and younger people, um, because you guys are going to, or younger people in their 20s now, they are going to get assets over time. So it's really important that everybody has these conversations. And if even if it's a simple one that can you know, organically be adjusted over time uh, with a post-up, that's fine. But it starts the conversation. And I, I want women to know it's okay to have these conversations. It doesn't make you an evil woman. It doesn't make you less attractive. It doesn't mean that you love your partner any less. I feel, for example, in my first marriage, who I was married to him for 20 some years, and as I said, have three children with him. If 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 he and I had had this conversation before we got married, which we never did, um, or we had had a prenup, which no one talked about in 1987, um, we would have either figured out how to address our different money personalities or we would have just not gotten married. Right. Exactly. You know, I mean, so I think the other thing is, is relationships. We need to be able to talk about money and relationships, be open, not be afraid. And we also need to think about whether we should have legal agreements in place if we're going to cohabit or if we're going to get married. And then, The other component, I think, for women in transition is in the divorce space. There is a lot of pre-divorce strategy that is very important to whether or not a woman walks away in her divorce, living a lifestyle with some dignity and not being at odds, you know, with you know, really being in a bad place in her retirement. And I don't think Mm, a lot of people talk about or address 
A, pre-gaming divorce, which is important, and then the divorce strategy. Because I think, you know, a lot of women who are getting these gray divorces are ending up with not what they think they're going to end up with. They Women live five years longer than men, statistically. We have longer retirement periods, more medical costs, and these things need to be addressed. And And just getting back to the thing about the prenups and just talking about these things with your partner, if you decide to and I'm just talking with my daughter about this now who, you know, she's 31. She's getting married in October. Um, she's in the middle of formulating her prenup, but you know, she's a lawyer. And if I said to her, you know, if you step back part-time or even if Sam does either of them, right. Um, if one party is going to step back part, do less work or part-time or just, stay out of the workforce for a while. They're not contributing to social security. They're not contributing to their 401k or they're maybe they might do a spousal IRA, but you know, they're not contributing to their 401k. They are taking a hit on their career development. This is kind of what happened to me when I agreed to move to London for my husband's job. Um, And these things are very hard to get back, right? You can't, it's exactly unless you go into overdrive like I am now. Right. So I have to make up for lost time, right? Because you know, things just did not work out the way they, they could have. There was a lot of, you know, kind of tomfoolery that occurred in the whole divorce and not adhering to decrees and so on and so forth. So, I mean, I'm still, I'm playing catch up. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be working into my seventies to get to where I need to be, to have my retirement money in order to the, to the extent that I want it to be as to how I want to live in retirement. Right. So I think, you know, these personal things are as important to women's uh, financial health as, you know, are you maxing out on your 401k and do you have a good financial strategy? You know, how are you investing your money? And, you know, are you a long-term investor or do you have diversified allocations and so on and so forth? That's a whole other topic, which is also part of this. But I think it's many different building blocks. It's not just one. And it's also making sure that you have your infrastructure in order so you can, you know, understand your situation enough to like know your, your financial life. And that just doesn't go if you're single, it goes, if you're married, I, I have women who walk into my office with their husbands all the time and they have no clue what their husband makes. They, I believe it, you know, don't read tax returns. And this isn't just old ladies. These are young and old ladies, you know, um, people don't, women sometimes are busy. They're busy with their, their caregiving, whether it's their parents or their kids or just whatever their houses, I don't know, but they get so busy that they think that all of that stuff takes priority over understanding what's going on. And, you know, when you start to commingle assets with somebody, this has a big effect on your life, right? Um, certainly in the world of debt, it does. Um, even in a, you know, in a, and I don't mean to digress here, but you know, in a community property state, you can't put in a prenup that you're going to split debt. It's just not enforceable. All debt is going to be attributed to both partners, no matter how you cut it or dice it in in an agreement, it will not be withheld on the debt side. So you need to understand what your partner's debt is, their credit score. You need to be reviewing your credit reports because all of these actions by this other person affect you. So those are yeah, when I, all those holistic things, right? They're all moving together. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals, so you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated, all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash ETM. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. 
You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. Hey, my name's Otis Gray, host of The Daily Book Club, a daily podcast where I read wonderful old books one chapter at a time. Simple as that. Whether you want to get engaged and lost in a fascinating story that has stood the test of time, or just relax to a good book, listen to The Daily Book Club to get wrapped up or unwind during your day. We'll read classic stories like Pride and Prejudice, The Enchanted April, The Wind in the Willows, beautiful stories all told from start to finish. And you can even do a real book club. Tune into the Daily Book Club Discord and discuss the readings with other book club listeners. However you want to listen, it's your choice. Subscribe to the Daily Book Club on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else. New episodes every single day. So sit back, relax, and get lost in the Daily Book Club. From Foreign Policy, I'm Rena Nainen, the host of The Hidden Economics of Remarkable Women. Over the past few years, we've looked at how women around the world are changing societal norms to increase their economic power. This season, we're focusing completely on girls, how they're pushing for a brighter, more powerful future, and what the rest of us can do to set them up for success. Join us for stories about girl power, young women who are fighting for change, to give themselves a chance to live a life of their own choosing. That's season six of The Hidden Economics of Remarkable Women, wherever you get your podcasts. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 3.5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P.com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. I want to talk a, a little bit more about postnups and, and prenups. And you mentioned cohabitation agreement. I've not heard of that one. Uh, are, are you seeing women asking for prenups uh, as much as men? Is there any sort of gender uh, information that you see there? And and how do we how do we broach the topic of a prenup or a postnup with our partner. Yeah, and I I would say this. Um, I think the anachronistic traditional thoughts that we have been inculcated with over forever um, are still you know swimming around out there in our brains. So I think generally, if a woman wants to ask for a prenup. Um, you know, maybe people think she's a gold digger or this, that, right. and other. But the reality is, is a lot of women today are actually breadwinners and the primary breadwinner. Fun fact is many of those women, when asked about whether they're the primary breadwinner, and I have a, a statistic in my book, will actually um, lie about it and say that their husbands actually make more than them. Another crazy fact. I believe fact. that too. Another <laughs> crazy fact. Um, but the thing is, I think, you know, I think a lot of women are working today, but I think this, you know, that women are initiating it more than men do, because I don't think men really think about the fact that generally 
70 to 75% of all caregiving is done by women, even women who are the primary breadwinner. So most likely it's going to be a woman who is going to step back or step out completely. And we saw this during COVID, right? During this, the she session. Um, so I think women have to be the initiator on this and they don't, they should not feel guilt or feel bad. They're going to feel really bad if in 30 years they get divorced and they don't get anything or any recognition for all that invisible labor that they did during their marriage. Right. So I think if you really love each other and in this day and age, whether you're 25 or 55 and getting married, and especially if you're 55, because you'll have some assets. um, If you can't have these discussions and open them up and say, you know, I love you. And I want to be able to, you know, really manifest the, the the relationship that we foresee with each other. But we really need to understand what that looks like economically. And we also need to discuss how that might affect me, for example, if I decide to step out of the workplace to take care of children. Um, my daughter is in the middle of talking to her prenup lawyer right now about this. And we're going back and forth. And, you know, at the beginning, I think her fiance was a little hesitant, but now they're in the throes of it. You know, he could, he, he comes from a family that he will have an inheritance, which will by definition be separate property. But I think it is a very healthy thing for couples. So I would say, you know, you can do it at dinner with a glass of wine. Just don't get too drunk. (laughs) You remember what you say. Um, And just try to make it as, you know, as, as easy as possible without it being, it doesn't have to be like where you sit down with your calculator and your lawyer, you know, you need to have the initial discussions because most relationships deteriorate over money. And a lot of divorces occur over money issues. And if you don't want that to happen to you, it's best to have those discussions when you still love each other and everything is going well. Right. I think in the end, it will increase the longevity of the relationship, you know, because tell me about the tell me about the cohabitation agreement. How is that different than a prenup? Is it just a version of a prenup before you get married? Well, it it can morph into a prenup. But the difference is this. A lot of people who live together, right, they're not formally married. And people who are not formally married do not have the same rights as people who are formally married. So if, and a lot more people are cohabiting, right? Um, You know, even older people are, are more likely to cohabit now than they are to get married. So it is very important if you start to live with somebody and it's going to, you know, going to go on um, that you kind of have a discussion about, okay, you know, who's going to be responsible for what, who's going to pay, you know, Who's going to pay these bills? Who's if we, you know, if you decide that you want to even buy a house together, how you're going to own that house. And if you were to split up, how that house will be split or will you buy that person out? Or, you know, because if you don't have these things in writing, you know, one person will just never move out. They'll just stay there forever. (laughs) Um, So you need to have certain legal protections in place because you are not married and you will not have the legal protections that marital couples have. So I would address things like how specific assets are owned, um, you know, how income and expenses are shared, if at all, how newly acquired assets are going to be owned, how are your bank accounts and credit cards going to work? Um, if, you know, you do split up, how certain things are going to be distributed, you know, that way, you know, you get the furniture, I get the TVs, whatever. Um, if you actually go on to property ownership, how that's going to be addressed, what is the ownership going to look like? How will it be divided if there's, you know, an issue later down the line? If there are debts involved, you know, just making clear that unmarried partners are not responsible for each other's debt because they're not married. But if they happen to do something like have a joint account for household expenses or something, how to delineate again, how that will be split up if something were to happen. Um, And obviously, you know, if it's a long relationship, if there's a breakup, will one of the people get support because they've been tantamount to maybe living like a married couple Um, Or if one of them dies and the, you know, some of them, if you don't have your will or your trust in order and your partner or they don't and they die, you know, 
what does that look like? You know, just having that discussion as well, but you can also memorialize certain aspects of that in a cohabitation agreement. That's particularly important for people who come into cohabiting with children from another marriage, right? Because there can be some arguments if someone were to die and it needs to be very clearly delineated who's getting what if that were to happen. So it just makes things very clear. It also um, allows for the conversation to get granular. It's, it can, you know, it's a, just a written agreement and um, it can morph into a prenup or the, be the basis of a prenup if down the road you decide to actually get married. But um, these are, these are actually a lot more common today and they're a real thing. And, um, you know, I think people can live together for years and years and years. So if they're going to do that, um, they should really think about having a cohabitation agreement. Well, Kim, you've given us so much to think about. I, I love all this. I love how you've curated the information that's in your book. I think it's just, as you said, these are important things that women need to really think about, spend some time on, get educated about. I'd love action items or maybe a to-do list for any woman listening right now that really wants to start today to build a path to financial freedom, what would you give us as a takeaway? I would say the most important thing is to understand your personal situation. It's essential because you can't do anything if you don't know what you don't know, right? So understand your money, whether you're single or you're in a partnership, Understand exactly what your financial situation looks like right now, because if you are on autopilot and you're just hoping it will all work out, it's not going to, right? So I think you have to take the, 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 the medicine and you have to, on a micro level, you need to really understand your financial situation and what you're trying to achieve, but you need to be aware of what's going on. If you're in a partnership, you need to understand your own situation and your joint situation, how that affects your own situation. So I think, you know, just being knowledgeable, being inquisitive, and not being afraid to initiate conversations to find out that information. Um, so that would be my first takeaway that I would tell people, you know, knowledge is power. So know yourself. To thine own self be true, right? The second thing is, don't be embarrassed or ashamed about the fact that you want to be boss of your life, that you want to be CEO of your life. You can be married, you can be in a partnership, you can be any person in this world, but you should be CEO of your own life, nobody else. And the only way to do that is to take control of it, be in charge of it, um, understand what's going on in your own life, and also look out into the great wide world and figure out who you want to vote for, and how policies affect your life, and be proactive on that score because that has a long arm reach into your life. So don't, again, autopilot, not allowed. You got to be engaged micro level, macro level, and that's how this all changes, right? Because if right. all, if more and more women become role models for other women, people say, hey, you know, She's the CEO of her own life. She's badass. You know, she's, she's got her, you know, all of her stuff in, in, in order. She's maybe she's starting her own business, but she's got some financial probity there. She's, she's successful, but she's knowledgeable and she's not relying on other people to take care of her. Nobody's going to take care of us, right? We need to take care of ourselves. The notion that someone's going to come along on a white horse or, on a motorcycle or in a boat. I don't know. <laughs> However people show up, they're not showing up. You have to be in charge. So my takeaway is be in charge, take control. Don't be afraid, you know, because fear is your enemy. And once you have the knowledge and you start, you know, working on these things and you start, you know, advocating for yourself and making intentional decisions, and understanding your money, talking to your partner about it, you know, advocating in the workforce, voting to increase your rights, all of those things, you're going to see great things happen in your life that improve the situation. And that will motivate other women to do the same. So it's like one woman at a time. Oh, I love it, Kim. Well, thank you for sharing all of this amazing information. This is this is just stuff we need to be talking about. So I'm so so and, thankful and, that you're here for this important for, conversation. Yeah. And thank you for, you know, your podcast and getting the word out there. I mean, 
we just need, I mean, I, and you know, you have, you know, a background in this, I, I believe you were a financial planner. So I love that someone with knowledge and background um, is out there spreading the word to women. My one fear is that there are a lot of, you know, somebody interviewed me the other day uh, at investment news and said, you know, are you a finfluencer? And I said, <laughs> well, I don't think so. Um, I want to influence people, but I want to make sure that whatever I say, I can back up and that I'm giving them good advice. So I just want women to understand to be careful where you get your information from, because not all information sources are legit, you know, or well thought out. So thank you for your efforts in in this realm, because I think, you know, it's really important to see women talking about this and, and having a podcast like this is, is awesome. Well, thank you. I will put an exclamation mark on what you just said. I, I fully endorse, uh, get your information from credible sources. I would love for you to tell everyone listening where they can go to connect with you. And if they're interested in picking up a copy of your book, The Fiscal Feminist, where do they find it? So the book is The Fiscal Feminist, A Financial Wake-Up Call for Women. You can get it on Amazon. You can also go to Barnes & Noble and any bookstore and get it. Um, but Amazon, easy. Just go on there, type it in, and it will pop up. And you can buy it. The Fiscal Feminist, A Financial Wake-Up Call for Women. Um, you can also follow me on Instagram, at The Fiscal Feminist. Uh, we have a lot of tips. And uh, I also have a podcast called The Fiscal Feminist. Um, like you, I interview people. I also just kind of riff on all kinds of other things that I think are important. Um, and you can also visit the website, www.thefiscalfeminist.com. There's more information there. Also, if people would just like a one-on-one -on -one consultation with me to do kind of a, a review of where they're at and where they might want to go, um, I'd be happy to do that with them as well. Um, so lots of ways to find me. Um, and I'm always really, really excited to speak to women. I love going and doing speaking en engagements as well. I did one last week for a group of women in commercial real estate, and it was just such a wonderful event and just so encouraging to see so many dynamic women in a room just is uh, so uplifting. So we need more of that. I love the idea of thinking about money as building blocks. I think that's a concept that I can really wrap my head around. I hope you can too. It's the idea that you don't have to know everything all at once. You just have to start stacking some of those blocks. So as Kimberly says, don't let the overwhelm and fear keep you down. Me, along with Kimberly, all the other guests that we've had on the show, they're really here to help cheer you on to fiscal freedom. Because after all, I hope that's why you're listening to this show is to step into whatever financial freedom looks like for you, right? And you do that each day by just putting one footstep in front of the other, taking one small baby money step after the next. And that really then builds this, I know this might sound cheesy, but this this house of money, no, that sounds really bad. You get where I'm going with this, right? You, you build your house, your financial freedom house with one brick after the next. So if you enjoyed this episode, I'd love for you to share it with a few friends, family, anyone you want to shout it out to right now. And if you could go to whatever podcast player you're listening to this episode in right now and just leave us an honest review, that would mean so much. I'll see you back here in a few days for a brand new episode. <music>